mighty, mighty, mighty God. Amen. Well, as Pastor Tim said, my name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to uh, take God's word and open it up and preach uh, today. Well, let me start with this as we get, uh, get going this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever found yourself caught in a giant, raging storm? Maybe big rainstorm, maybe hailstorm, uh, maybe hurricane. For some of you, I know if you were here in this building about a year and a half ago, I heard, or live in Washington, Washington Illinois, you were a part of a tornado. Now that must have been a frightening experience, a raging storm. I can remember I was a part of a storm uh, back when I was a kid, uh, not as frightening as the tornado, but it was the blizzard of 1979. And um, this was a giant snowstorm, a blizzard that I saw going all around my house in Prospect Heights, Illinois. In fact, I wanted to remind you, so I brought you some pictures here. And uh, you can see some of the pictures there up on the screen. Now, I know they say neither rain nor sleet nor snow, but that mailbox is going to be hard to get to. You can see the cars are buried, and you can see that small kid there up on that big pile. That's actually me at my house. After my uncle and my dad cleared the driveway, they threw me on top to either get a picture of how big this was or just to have some fun with me, all right? But I know what you're thinking. Stop reminding me about snow, Pastor Mark. We're just starting to forget about it. Well, look, we're, we're talking about storms today because in our passage, we are going to see two raging storms. Okay, one's going to be a literal storm. The Sea of Galilee is going to be hit uh, so hard with winds, it's going to be a violent shaking of the sea. The other storm, the other storm's going to be raging in the hearts of the disciples. These men are going to become uh, so fearful, they're going to panic and scream for their life. And these are fishermen out on these waters. And so let's see what happens here. Go ahead and grab your Bible and go to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We've got ushers. They'll be bringing them down for you. Just raise your hand. They'd be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. We're going to be going verse by verse through Mark 4, 35 to 41. Uh, I like to think it's the best named gospel of the four. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you're getting there, I want to remind you here that all of this is sovereignly set in motion by our Lord to test the faith of the men who left everything to follow him. We have to understand that, that this is sovereignly set in place by our Lord to test the faith of the men who left everything to follow him. And so we're going to be talking about getting fired up here about a deeper faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Why don't we pray before we uh, get into the text here. Father, we would declare to you this morning, as the psalmist did in Psalm 89, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. God, I ask that you would show us your power today, that you would show your love today, 
in a way that no one else can or will. God, I ask that you would show us your faithfulness today, and not just in the text, but in the very lives that we have surrendered to you. For you are the same, O oh Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay, I've got four points, if you're taking notes there, four points on this faith lesson that we're going to see with the disciples. And um, the first point is this, the calm before the storm. The calm before the storm. This here before us is one of the greatest uh, passages in all of the gospel of Mark. And the story of Jesus stilling the storm is also seen in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And this account before us today is going to teach us so much about Jesus Christ. We're going to see his humanity. We're going to see his deity. We're, we're going to see him demonstrate his lordship and his power over nature. We are going to see his infinite power and his intimate care of his children all wrapped into one. His infinite power and his intimate care of his children all wrapped up into one. And we're going to see that Jesus orders the events of our life to test our faith and ultimately strengthen our faith because that makes us deeper, more complete disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, and it gives glory to him. So, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. I want to stop there. Mark tells us this was the same day, right? It was the evening. And so to get the context, you have to go all the way back to chapter 3 where Jesus was, he was confronted by false teachers. He was questioned by his own family. He got in a boat to teach the multitude parables, then took his disciples aside and taught them, explained those parables. And now we, here we are in the evening. And so this was a busy day of ministry. If you read through the Gospels, everyone's always trying to get at Jesus, right? They're, they're going around and they're trying to touch him for healing. They're asking him questions. They're confronting him, trying to accuse him. And so it's no wonder that we're going to see him in a moment sleeping in the back of the boat. He's exhausted. He's tired. In his humanity, he is so tired and he created sleep, so he's going to get a little rest. And so he says, let us go across to the other side. And so they're all going to get in the boat and travel across the Sea of Galilee. And remember, these are fishermen. They've been on these waters before. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. So they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to get a very personal test. As they head across the Sea of Galilee, right into a giant raging storm. This is going to be a very personal, purposeful measured test in the lives of the disciples. It's going to be a very personal, purposeful, measured test in the lives of the disciples. So let me ask you by a showing of hands, how many of you out there like tests? You're one of the special bunch that love to take tests. I'm not that much a fan of tests, but I had to take a test recently. Uh, so we traveled from Houston uh, here to Peoria, and so I had to get a new Illinois driver's license. So I had to, about a month ago, go down to the DMV. I don't, I don't even like to say those words in combination, okay? 
DMV. I go there, and I, I got to admit, it was a pretty fast line. You get your birth certificate, your social security card, check everything out. They take me, and they said, okay, go to the next desk. Something, okay, this is, this is great. It's going pretty quick. You get to the next desk, and they say, uh, we're going to take an eye exam now. I said, okay, that's fine. So, I, you know, you put your head in that machine, and they say, where, tell me where the light's blinking. It's like, okay, left side. Okay, right side. Okay, two lights. Great, you pass. So I'm thinking, awesome. Pass the test, pay the fee, take a picture. I'm out of here. This was great. Um, sir, you, we'd like you now to go over to this cubicle where this uh, computer is, and you're going to take the rules of the road test now. What? I got, I'm sorry, I, I haven't looked at that book since I was like 16. I just kind of follow the traffic pattern. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm fine. Like, I, I haven't had any collisions, but I... Well, you need to go do this if you want your license. So I go over there, and I get to the screen, and at this point, I'm kind of getting nervous. My hands are sweating, and I'm thinking to myself, my wife is going to laugh at me if I don't pass this thing, and she's going to be carting me around like one of the kids. <laughs> so I get there. First question, name this sign. Okay, red sign. Don't have the words, but I'm like, okay, this is going to be Boom, stop sign. Not a problem. Second question, a little harder. Third question, a little harder. Fourth question, eh, miss it. And I'm like, okay, 75%. I don't know if that's passing so far. How many questions are going to be? So we keep going, we keep going, miss another one, we keep going, miss another one. I end up missing about four only, which is an 88%, which is passing, but that means 12% of you don't want to be around me on the road, okay? (laughs) But I pass the test, I get the license, take a picture, send it to my wife, I pass. But the whole thing, it, let's be honest, it was pretty nerve-wracking. I was a little bit nervous about that because I hadn't studied. Now look, the test here for the disciples, it's not a rules of the road test, is it? You don't get multiple chances to pass. You know what this test is? This test here for the disciples, look up here now. This is a how much faith is in your heart test. This this is what do you believe about Jesus, then let's see it test coming at them. And we have the blessing of reading this, so we know exactly what happens, but they didn't know. And so they're following Jesus literally right out into the storm. And I think it's important to note that Jesus is the one leading them out into the storm. Jonah was put into a great and terrible storm, what? Because of his disobedience. The disciples are put into a great and terrible storm, why? Because of their obedience. And they're following the Savior out into the storm. Now let me ask you a couple questions and get you involved here. Does Jesus know there's a giant storm coming? Yes, right? Shake your head. Yeah, omniscient God. Does Jesus know how much water is going to get into the boat? Yes, he does. Does Jesus have a purpose for bringing those he loves out there to experience the storm? Yes. Another question. Will Jesus be with them and do something awesome to build their faith in the storm? The answer is yes. Yes, he will. But the disciples have no idea this is coming. Much like us. 
right? A hardship, a difficulty, an affliction, a time of pain and hurt. It comes into our life. It comes around the corner. Boom! We didn't know it was coming. So this is the calm before the storm. This is somewhat of the circumstance that we would want, if we're being honest. We want the easy breezy. We want the joy ride. We want the boat, no storm. We want the lazy river, not the raging winds. But the Christian life doesn't work that way. And God has a reason for that. Trials are important. In fact, they're promised. 1 Thessalonians 3.3 says, Let no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Church faith lessons are vital because in the classroom of trials, we learn so much about God and his power and his character and his care for us, for us. And we also, if we sit under and learn, we grow to be so much more like him in the midst of it. So we just need to remember in all this, it's God who's sovereign. It's God who's with us. It's God who, listen, never wastes your pain because he has a purpose. He has a reason for the trial. God will never leave us or forsake us. As I was studying this week, I just, I wrote this down as God was ministering to my soul. He is with me. He is with me. No matter what comes my way, he is with me. He is with me even if the world gives way. His power protects me. His love surrounds me. His hand, it guides me. His seal is on me. He is my God and I belong to him. I am his. I've been bought with a price. So let me ask you, where are you at? For some of you, maybe you say life is calm right now, no storm. But for others of you, you would say that this is the hardest time I've ever experienced in my entire life. The storm is raging. And for others of you, look, you're, the, you're just pushing the boat out in the water. It's right around the corner, hours, days ahead. It's coming. But in all of this, look up here, Christ one, look, God is with you. God is with you. Look, write this over your life, ever-present help. Write it over your life. Write it on your heart, ever-present help. God is with you. Rest in that. Put all your weight down on it. He is faithful even in the trial, for he is always faithful. Point one, the calm before the storm Here's the second thing now, the calm during the storm. Uh, verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's pretty clear from this, there's, there's only one that's calm during the storm. It's not the disciples. They're panicking. They think they're going to drown. Jesus is at peace. Jesus is calm, so much so that he's sleeping on the cushion, on his little pillow in the back. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Sea of Galilee to kind of help you understand how this happened. Okay, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long. It's eight miles wide. Now, it lies just over 600 feet below sea level. It's near the northern end of the Jordan River. And I read this, Mount Hernan rises 9,200 feet to the north of the sea, 
And strong northerly winds often plummet down the upper Jordan Valley with great force. When they meet the warmer air of the Galilee Basin, the intensity is increased. Hitting the cliffs on the eastern shore, the winds, catch this now, swirl and twist, causing the waters beneath them to churn violently. And the fact that they come quickly and with little warning makes the storm all the more dangerous and frightening. And so now look back at verse 37. And a great windstorm arose. You see how mighty this is. You see how fast this is. How much this just comes on them. And a great windstorm arose. This was a great shaking of the sea. This was a great violent sea-moving, wave-making, water-shaking storm. This was a great storm. Matthew's Gospel says, Behold, there arose a great storm. This was a great, 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 great storm. What kind of storm was it, church? A great storm. So much so that the the waves, they're breaking into the boat. The boat is beginning to fill up. Okay, it's, it's turning the wind and the ship is getting tossed around. The boat is getting hammered by waves. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, they're caught in this storm. And so I brought a little uh, illustration along here. I like to do this sometimes uh, with my kids to help them get into the passage a little bit, to help them kind of see what's going on so they can understand. And so, disciples' boat, all right, sorry, it would have looked a little different. This is all I could find at Walmart, and uh, Sea of Galilee. So they go into the midst of the storm. I'm going to close this so front row doesn't get wet. And this is a great storm, a great shaking of the sea. And so this is what's happening to them. They're getting tossed and turned. And it's, this would have taken on the effect of like a hurricane with these winds. And so the waves are crashing and beating on top of the boat. And they're panicked. They're starting to freak out. And Jesus is doing what? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. This is an amazing picture of his humanity, isn't it? You ever been that tired? No noise, no person, no nudge is going to wake you up. Some of you are looking at each other right now. We see a great picture here of his humanity. And we're about to see an awesome picture of his deity. Because he's going to let him sweat it out, suffer a little bit, then he's going to get up and do the miraculous. You see, I want you to know this morning that the silence of God is never the indifference of God. Not as a Christ one, not as a follower of Jesus. The silence of God is never the indifference of God. You may think that God's in the back of the boat sleeping and doesn't care about what's happening in your life, but that's not the case. He has a reason, he has a purpose for the storm that's very measured and purposeful and personal that enters into your life. Wrote this down. Why, why does he allow it? Why does he let them go into the boat and cross over into, and knowing the storm's coming, here it is, the greater the storm, the greater the calm, the greater the miracle, the greater the glory goes to God, the greater the awe in the end, the greater my faith grows. The greater the storm, the greater the calm the greater the miracle, the greater the glory goes to him. The greater the awe in the end, the greater my faith grows. 
And so the disciples, they go and they wake up Jesus in a panic. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Matthew's gospel says it like this. Save us, Lord. We're perishing. And remember, these are fishermen. They've been on these waters before. They've worked the waters. Peter and Andrew and James and John, they knew the weather conditions. They know all this stuff. This shows us how horrific the storm actually was. And fishermen are typically what? They're pretty tough, strong guys. They're panicking. They think they're going to drown. I read this. These panicked sailors were calling on a carpenter to help them at sea. And so you know it's a bad storm when you're looking for a carpenter's solution to a sailor's dilemma. Really what? They were looking for a divine solution to a desperate situation. They were looking for God to intervene, for Jesus to provide a miracle and to save them. They've seen miracles before. They thought they were going to drown. Let me ask you, When's the last time you've been afraid? When's the last time you were filled with fear and panic or maybe even a touch of anxiety? When's the last time you were afraid? Because we sometimes respond just like the disciples did right here in difficulty. And what do we say? Don't you care, Lord? Save us, God. Where are you? Why aren't you here in the middle of my life? Why aren't you doing anything about this? It seems like you're asleep, that you're distant, and you don't care. And we begin to doubt. Maybe God won't rescue me from this trial. And our faith turns into fear. Sure, he's rescued me before, but maybe not this time. Maybe he won't come through this time. And God in all of this is exposing what? The lack of faith in the hearts of the disciples. Because the disciples have watched Jesus do so many miracles. If you track through the book of Mark, you'll see it. They've seen many. But here's the problem. When life falls apart for them right now, they aren't believing God for them. For them. It's easy to believe God for others. Hey, trust God. That's a hard situation. You've got to believe God. You've got to trust him. Get in the word. Pray. Trust God. But what do you believe when it hits home for you? That's the test. When, when you experience it, when God allows it to come into your life, when God takes you through it, that's when you get to see what's really in your heart. Why did he bring the Israelites across the wilderness? So they could see, God already knew, but what they could see what was in their heart. And so am I really trusting Jesus with all my heart I say that I am when someone else is going through it, but what will I do when it happens to me? And look, we have to remember that Jesus is the one, like I said earlier, who took them across the Sea of Galilee. He says right there, let us go across to the other side. And so if that's the case, they shouldn't have really been fearful about the journey, and we shouldn't either. As long as we're following Jesus Christ, he's going to get us to where we need to go, whatever that looks like for his sovereign will for our life. We don't need to panic. As if somehow there was going to be a headline the next day, Savior of the world doesn't make it to the cross. Jesus, unfortunately, dies in a tragic boating accident, you know? But we panic. So you may be panicked, you may be biting your nails, walking back and 
forth, screaming out loud. Look up here, God is not. God is not. He's in perfect control. And he has a purpose. Ephesians 1.11 tells us, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We're going to see in a moment that even nature bows to his lordship and accomplishes his highest purposes. This is creator, sustainer, almighty Lord. Creator, sustainer, almighty Lord. The calm before, the calm during. Here's point three if you're jotting down notes. The calm after the storm. Look at just verse 39. And he awoke... And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, here's what he said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. That has the idea of immediately. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So you see back in verse 37, there was a great storm. Here now there is a great calm. And this is awesome. I mean, maybe we wouldn't have wanted to be in the storm. But all of us would probably say we would love to see that. How awesome this is. We just saw saw Jesus in his humanity, completely exhausted, sleeping in the back of the boat. Here we see one of the greatest displays of his deity in all of the Gospels. He wakes up, he gets up, he speaks, and everything stops at his command. He speaks. This is a giant, shaking, great storm. Jesus, peace, be still. In a moment, it's completely calm. And he shows us that he has power over everything. That everything starts and stops at his command. That he is God. That he is in control. Nothing is too hard hard for him. Of course, the wind and the sea recognize the voice of its creator, God himself. Nothing's too hard if you... Uh, Remember back in Genesis 1, it tells us, it reads like this, and God said, and it was so. At his word, as power, and God said, and it was so. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, for he spoke, and it came to be. So look, when you speak the universe into existence and you create the world with the word of your mouth stilling a storm, yeah, just not that big of a deal. Just not that big of a deal. Not for God. In fact, why don't you put your hand up for a moment. Just put your hand up like this palm up. So this is like the palm or the hollow of your hand. Isaiah 40, 12, it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? All the waters in the world. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? This is an awesome picture of the power and the grandeur of God. And Jesus is the creator. Colossians 1, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, agent of creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. The sea that day, just glorifying God. The winds that day, just glorifying God. All for him. 
He created it. He sustains it. He controls it. That's power, but not just power over the wind and the waves. Look, power even to guide and protect our lives. Power to guide and protect even our very life. That's why Jesus looks at the disciples. He asks them the main point of this whole boat ride. Do you want to know what it is? Look at verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Here it is. Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And so there it is. This was a test of faith. There was a lesson in the storm. And it's just like God to be teaching his followers. And so let me ask you, what does your test look like? Do you see how he's teaching you? Now let me ask you this, how are you responding? Have you faith? Or have you still no faith? Have you faith? Or have you still no faith? Look, you can trust Jesus with all of your heart. He is completely trustworthy. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day to surrender. Do not wait another moment. Surrender your life to God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved from your sin. Turn to him. In repentance and faith, turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. The calm before, the calm during, the calm after, which leads us all to this. The storm leads, point four, the storm leads to greater faith and the glory of God. And this is what we've been working up to here in this passage. The storm leads to greater faith and the glory of God. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And I think when you read that too, I think sometimes we can read into the mind of Jesus. I don't think it was, have you still no faith? I think it was more like this, why why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with, what's that word? Great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we had a great storm, we got a great calm, now we got a great fear from the disciples. And so Jesus was ultimately saying this to them. You still don't fully believe that I could care for you. You still don't fully trust me. You still don't fully get yet who I really am. You don't need to be in a panic here. You don't need to be afraid with all this. I'm here with you. Why are you so afraid? Why do you lack faith in me? Haven't I shown you that you can trust me? Haven't I demonstrated my care for you? Have you still no faith, men? Have you still no faith? Jesus was pointing out that they need to trust him regardless of the circumstance all the time. Because when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you recognize his power and his love and understand that, you can weather any storm, even if it's a storm unto death. Why? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's why Jesus said in Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And so the disciples, they've seen an abundance of miracles. They've seen the power of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, but they still lacked faith. 
They needed their faith to grow. And that's part of what trials are accomplishing in our life. They're growing our faith. 1 Peter 1 tells us that. James 1 tells us that. And their faith must have grown so much that day. Look, by a show of hands, how many of you would say, look, you've been through a difficult trial in your life, but on the other end of that trial, your faith was greater in Jesus Christ. Who would say, man, that's you, and that's you. you you've done that. You've been through a tough trial. Hold, keep your hands up for one second. Now, now, I want you to look around the room. Okay, look, look, at, look, this is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. Difficulty and trial and struggle, but purpose, purpose. I've heard it said that uh, trials or storms, as we're saying today, they, they have a way of dimming the glamour of the world and deepening our dependence on him, growing our faith. That's not original with me, but I heard that trials have a way of dimming the glamour of the world and deepening our dependence on him, growing our faith. It's what Job meant when he said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Enormous trial, great faith on the other end. And so I just want to say this to you today. If you're in a trial... Take heart. Don't lose heart. God is with you. Cling to him through prayer and through his word and through his people. Don't grow weary in doing good. Sit under what he's teaching you. Persevere. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Keep going. Hold on. Trust him. He will never be disappointed. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame, Psalm 34. You know, it was uh, George Matheson. He wrote a famous hymn uh, called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And he said that he wrote it in five minutes on the eve of his sister's wedding. Let me read this uh, little story to you here. It says that, O love that will not let me go, was written on the evening of Matheson's sister's marriage. His whole family had went to the wedding and had left him alone. And he writes of something which had happened to him that caused immense mental anguish. There's a story of how years before he had been engaged until his fiancée learned that he was going blind. And there was nothing the doctors could do. And she told him that she could not go through life with a blind man. He went blind while studying for the ministry and his sister... Here it is. His sister had been the only one who had taken care of him all these years, but now she's gone. His sister's marriage brought fresh reminder of his own heartbreak over his fiancée's refusal to go through life with a blind man. And it's in the midst of this circumstance and intense sadness that the Lord gives him this hymn, which he says was written in five minutes. It goes like this. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray, that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not in vain that morn shall tearless be. 
O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life glories dead, and from the ground there blossoms red, life that shall endless be. Church, anything that brings us closer to God is a mercy, is it not? Anything that brings us closer to God is a mercy. And so in the trial, we ought to respond rightly. And trust God and draw near to God, and the result will be a greater faith for us and a greater glory to God. Look back as we prepare to close here in verse 41. You see how they said again, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were filled with great fear. Now, this is a reverential fear. This is a different kind of fear from the storm. This is a, this is a I'm in awe of what Jesus just did. I am in awe. I am astonished of what Jesus just did. Look, if they feared the waves and the wind, how much more should they fear the one who controls the wind and the waves? These men are starting to get it. These men are starting to get it. This is God in the boat. This is God in the boat. This is God among them. This is God in the flesh. This is Jesus Christ. And they are terrified at his holiness, at his majesty, at his presence, at his power. They are overcome with the glory of God and the power of his hand and the majesty of his presence. The greater the storm, the greater the glory to God the greater our faith can grow. Do you see it there in the text? Now, do you see it in your life? Do you see it in your life? The greater the storm, the greater the glory to God, the greater my faith can grow. The calm before the storm, the calm during the storm, the calm after the storm, the storm leads to greater faith and the glory of God. And so why don't you take a moment now as the worship team comes forward, and why don't you just close your eyes and be still. And I want to ask you this, where are you at today? Are you in the storm? Is your boat filling up? Did it catch you by surprise? Is life chaotic and seemingly to you out of control like the disciples? Would Jesus say to you this morning, have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Haven't I shown you that you could trust me? Haven't I shown you who I am? Haven't I cared for you? Have you still no faith? Let the storm today, church, lead you to the loving arms of Jesus. Let the hardship bring glory to God. You were not your own. You were bought with a price. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, we shall bring glory to God. Let the pain increase your faith. Follow him. That only happens if you follow him. There is nothing good apart from Jesus Christ. 
Follow him. Do not walk away. Press in. Charge ahead. Go after him with all of your might. Stay the course. Do not leave. He will not leave you. The storms don't have to overwhelm you today because the one who is in control of that purposeful, personal, measured storm holds it all in the palm of his hand, creator, sustainer, almighty God. And if God is for you today, no one could be against you. And he is, Romans 8, for you. And he never promises us easy, but he promises to be with us and to strengthen our spirit Follow him today. God, cause us to believe your promises afresh today. Write them on our hearts. May they stick and bear fruit, especially in the valleys of our life. May we trust you, that you are the God who never leaves or forsakes us. That we can trust you with all of our heart, not even leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledging you, Lord Jesus, you the Savior, you the Lord. You will make our path straight. You are the one who gives peace. You are the one who gives strength for every tragedy. You are creator, sustainer, comforter, Lord. And may we say through it all that never once have we experienced our God leaving us or forsaking us. For he is faithful always. He will surely, surely do it.